Good morning and welcome to Conversations with Buddy. Coming to you live from the podcast uh, recording studio here in Kaiser, right here at The Rec. We do this every Friday morning or most Friday mornings uh, where we meet with people. We sh- uh, hear their story and they are sharing their story with the world. And our goal is that we impact somebody. I don't care if it's one person, doesn't matter, but we're excited. We love this. It's just a conversation. This morning, I got a special guest. He's a new friend of mine. His name's Mitch Anderson. Welcome, Mitch. Buddy, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for being here this morning. Yeah. I just want to just, uh, you and I met probably, I don't know, two weeks ago, had a quick coffee. Uh, our friend, Jason Leon, recommended that we connect and- yeah. And you're writing a book and a lot of stuff going on. So I just want to say the the meeting I had with you over coffee at French Press was awesome. It was so good. It was powerful. It was very yeah. powerful. We, we talked about definitely even if we could have recorded that. But that's the power of conversation, right? So, totally. Power of conversation. Yeah. So. so obviously the opportunity to do this with you is like, it's pretty cool. It's next level. You know, full vulnerability. It's my first podcast. So I'm excited that you're my first. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm excited, man. This is so cool. And I'm excited that you're excited. That's what mm-hmm. excites me, that people want to share their story and be a little bit vulnerable, be transparent, because as a man, you're a man, yeah. you want to help train up men. Men, you know, pull up the bootstraps and just being tough guy, not sharing your vulnerabilities, that isn't the answer. Actually being honest with people and yeah. talking about stuff that we struggle with. So well, let me just kind of walk through and give a quick introduction of what I know about you. Yeah. And then we're going to elaborate and hear all about you because there's more, man. <laughs> okay, so Mitch, you're you're a married guy. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to hear how long you've been married. You have three kids, one on the way. Yep, three kids, one on the, three three boys and a, and a girl on the way. Oh, a so girl on the way. Your life is going to be changed. It's already changed. It's awesome. So, Mitch, I know you're a husband. I know you're a dad of three boys, and you have a daughter on the way. That's incredible. You're an adventurer. I don't know about that yet. These are things I don't know. You're a catalyst. I would ask, what does that mean? Philanthropic. I don't know what that means. You're a messenger and a pursuer of Jesus Christ. And you're now a new author. Does that sound about right? That all there pretty much sums it up. Um, I think the apex for me, everything, the the worldview that I flow through is definitely a pursuer of God. And so all that kind of... culminates in yeah, that environment. Yeah. As you know, definitely we as men, um, being able to achieve what we're supposed to do, our responsibilities, yeah. what we're called to, uh, is definitely heightened when we allow ourselves to pursue God because he comes alongside us, yeah. champions us, that kind of thing. So, Actually, the other thing I know about you, you're in sales. You, you're in medical sales and you sell to doctors and uh, we talked a little bit about that. So I, I'm in sales, so yeah. I'm intrigued by that because- Sales is not physically hard, but it's emotionally difficult. And, uh, you know, we deal with people's emotions and stuff. So that's, that's what we, I mean, we connect on a God level, but also connect as a guy on a sales level. So uh, you're a young guy compared to me. I'm an old guy. And so I wish I'd have known what you knew or the, of the age you are right now. I wish I would have been where you're at. So, wow. Well, buddy, that that's pretty impressive because I was I look at you as a, a mentor as as we spoke. Um, the things you were saying encouraged me. I wouldn't have guessed you would have said that. So that's powerful. Now, <laughs> did I show up? Really, you know, I, I do a lot of mentoring, but I mentor at the UGM, and and what I always tell these guys that hey, they've lived on the street, they've done drugs. I said, hey, I'm your mentor. They, yeah, buddy, you're my mentor. I go, you know what? You're also my mentor. They're like, huh? 
And so I show up to be mentored as well. This is a two-way street. I don't have all answers. You don't either. So it gives me great joy to humbly come before a guy like you and hang out with you because, you know, there's a couple uh, decades apart on age. You have a different worldview on some things. We we both believe, Mm -hmm. but I can learn from you, man. So no, I took away a lot of, I took away your energy, your excitement for the Lord. And and then I started watching some of your, um, I don't even know what you call them, your yeah. reels, I guess. Yeah. See, I'm an old guy. I don't even know what to call them. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I would call you Pastor Mitch, man. Wow. You, you bring it, man. I, I really love just your quoting verses, not just a Bible verse, but maybe a passage. And like, yeah. dude, I don't know. It's just pretty cool. So yeah. let's, let's just start. I want to know about Mitch, where you kind of grew up. Yeah. To where you're at today. I know there's a journey there and there's always, there's a story in there yeah. and there's many parts of your story. So tell me, where'd you grow up? What were your parents like? Yeah. Childhood, did you do sports? And then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah. No, definitely the the nostalgic view, because really for me, um, to be where I'm at today, if you saw my upbringing, you'd say, well, that makes sense. Um, you should be a pursuer of God. My dad was a pastor, a great pastor of a church. Um, so I definitely saw many things from him that was like, well, this is just what men do. And so what what's unfortunate, what happens as I, as I grew up, you know, you begin to realize not everybody is as privileged as you are with what you've been given. And so um, God definitely allowed my parents to raise me and saying, hey, you're not entitled to this. Um, you don't deserve this. Uh, don't, don't hold that over anybody else. And so for me then, um, what was so awesome uh, is then how God has then transitioned that and to say, well, how can I capitalize? Um, how can I make sure that I use what was given by my parents instilled in me the the things that I saw. Because what as I see with my own boys, they're maybe not as good students, but they're incredible um, mimickers and imitators. And so it's so wild. It's like, wow, I'm literally doing what my dad did. You know, I'm doing what my mom ingrained in me. And so then obviously I'm inspired as a father, which is why it's so important for men to be fathers, is that then I need to be able to live a certain way so that my boys mimic what I what I am and what I'm doing. And so, you know, with, with my upbringing, a lot of incredible memories that um, I want to pass on to my kids. Um, meanwhile, the same way that I had great memories, I want to make sure that the people that I speak to, I come with that understanding. Like, look, I realize your father may have been the worst thing ever. I realize you may have, you may have one good memory of your childhood and I have a billion, right? Well, this, this great thing that God can give, if I come with that heart and say, hey, God, God can fix your past. God can make your past so powerful. You can come to him. He can fashion it. We know this, you know, obviously in the church, um, that's, that's the gospel message. Like he, he can take it and he can fix all that other stuff. So I, I can't help but um, inspire men the best I, you know, with, with whatever capability I have, um, to be able to make them achieve and, and become all that God called them to be. So I don't know if that was a nutshell enough, but that's yeah, kind of what. Yeah. We'll dive in a little bit more. I want to ask you a few more questions, but you know, our kids, speaking of kids, you're yeah. talking about your three boys, your daughter's coming. Yeah. They don't often listen to what you say, but they almost always mimic what <laughs> yeah. you do. So yeah. if you ever see your kids misbehaving, Mitch, <laughs> so look good. in the mirror, bro. <laughs> I'm just speaking from observation for yeah. my life. It's like, yeah, if I don't like, really, even sometimes my wife, we've been married for 31 years. It's not a perfect marriage, but everything 
I do affects them. Yeah. And if I don't like how they're responding, I could blame them or I could simply go look in the mirror. So, yeah. Okay. So you, did you grow up here in Salem? I did, um, to a certain extent. I was born in Olympia, Washington, but at five, we moved to Woodburn, Oregon, was there uh, about seven years, and then moved to Salem, um, you know, and that's been kind of the duration. Uh, after high school, went off to um, college in Orange County, uh, California, obviously a great four years, uh, graduated and, um, you know, quickly found I was trying to become famous in music. Um, I would have said it was for God, but it, I was building my kingdom. I wanted to be famous, the next Justin Bieber. Um, I always say that. I mean, that, that was that was my play, right? Love it. Um, but that obviously crumbled because um, it was all built on the wrong things. And I'm so grateful. It's so funny when God doesn't give us the deepest desires of our heart, um, how how great that can be for us because it, it would have been horrible, right, uh, for my own personal relationship with God. And so coming back around, it's so wild. I don't desire fame, uh, but I do desire impact. And the Ooh. difference is that impact, when it's genuine, um, if I change one person, then I've had impact, right? And I've, I've really begun to see that Anybody outside of the home to a certain extent is just kind of fans. They're fair weather friends. They're not really going to fall on the sword for you. Um, I've kind of wrestled with this idea. Um, like Michael Jackson's fans, I don't know if anyone would have died for him. I think they would have wept at his concert, but I don't know if they would have you know, fallen on the sword for him. But when I take my kids, uh, I will fall on the sword for my kids. I will die. I will do whatever it takes. And in many ways... I know vice versa because I die for my dad. And so where I can genuinely have impact is within my in my home. C.T. Studd said this great quote, uh, the light that shines the farthest shines brightest nearest home. And uh, talk about power. Obviously, the imagery there is a, of a lighthouse out in the deep. And that thing shines so far. And sometimes the farther out that lighthouse is in the deep darkness of the ocean, the more powerful that light is. And so I've found that, wow. The biggest impact I can make as a man is being committed to my wife in the home and being committed to my kids in the home, N mm -hmm. you know, not, not anything broader. And that in many ways is this, this catalyst for this message, for this book, the main things for the attributes that God wants to apply to men in our society is so we can be everything we're called to be within the home. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Deep. I, I, I started reading the book last night. So real quick, um, so Mitch just wrote a book called The Attributes of Manhood. I got the book like literally two nights ago, and I told you, I, I didn't tell you until this morning, but my goal is to read it before we met. I got through chapter one. It's too deep for me just to peruse through. So I thought, you know what? I need to slow down and just read chapter by chapter. It's really, really good. We're going to expand on that in a little bit. So let's go back. So where'd you go to high school? Yeah, yeah. I was homeschooled. So okay. yeah, homeschooled through... All the way through high school, I did, I think, one year of school in kindergarten or something like that. But and you were uh, homeschooled the whole way through. Homeschooled the whole what way. A blessing. Yeah, it was. It was. I definitely was the, you know, once again, I wanted to be popular in high school. So I was the guy who was like, I want to go to school and I want to do this and that. And uh, my parents were just so intelligent because they presented it saying, well, if you really want to, you know, they, they didn't you know, coerce me into staying home. <laughs> they kind of gave me the facts. And then at the end of the day, I never you know, never decided to go. So obviously they did something right. Uh, they, they sold it much better. They sold, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they sold it. Like, yeah. Mitch, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. If you go to school, 
or stay home. That's cool. Yeah. But it worked out and you did that. Dude, it so worked out. Did you do sports in high school though? If you're homeschooled, can you do? I did. Yeah. I played soccer in high school at McNary, uh, McNary High School. So you so. can still as a yeah. student still, oh, that's interesting. It's pr- pretty cool. That's cool. You can get all the good at school without all the bad. I'm kidding. No, I'm <laughs> Yeah. So with soccer, you're like your passion, like, eh, man, I'm all in. I wish it was because my body type and my um, athletic skill set, I, I really think I could have gone far. Could have been like Christian Pulisic. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, but you know, that, that level I think was, was honed, you know, for those of you who can't see, I'm, I'm five, seven pushing five, eight. So basketball wasn't really going to be my that thing. Wasn't your thing. It right? wasn't my thing. And I didn't have, you know, blinding, blinding speed. So then, you know, football, I know like, you know, Sproles, he, he's, you know, t- tiny, you running back, but he, he had blinding speed. So it, you know, size doesn't necessarily matter. So for me, where I was at, midfield uh you know within soccer would have been kind of the thing but i didn't have the passion um i did want to be the football star but um i didn't possess what was necessary for that so i played you know soccer for the 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 enjoyment of it and it was fun but uh didn't obviously take it anywhere so yeah yeah. it's funny though as i'm getting to know you i went back to i don't know your facebook page or your instagram page you posted something like back in 2012 i went all the way back to your very first post I didn't realize you did music, man. Like I'm seeing you playing your piano and sing a song. I don't possess that skill. I'm just saying. I'm jealous, uh, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, talk to us about, you know, okay, so sports wasn't your thing. You want to be the new Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, did you do that in grade school, high school? What's that look like? Yeah, I did that through, um, it was, you know, folks got me pressed pressed into that um, at a young age. Uh, eight years old is when I started. And then uh, high school is really when I owned it. And that was kind of that thing. You could choose sports or you could choose music. And I definitely chose music. Invested, you know, three to four hours a day, um, really trying to hone kind of the musical craft. Uh, and then ended up getting a scholarship uh, to pursue music, uh, Vanguard University. Did that for four years. And my emphasis was piano performance. Um, made a good, you know, little splash, I would say, with that. Uh, I think more for me, I spent... I was willing to spend a lot of times to create a great story. So like I remember one semester I had, uh, and I think I did this for a whole year, um, but I would actually practice from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. And uh, I don't, you know, (laughs) to say that my focuses were honed then, um, I think it was a way where nobody was in, we had a a music lab in the basement where all all the pianos were of the music hall. And so I, nobody was there. It was just me and the piano. And so I'd go to bed at about 6 PM, wake up at about 1230 AM. And all of my buddies were, you know, just coming in from partying. It was college. Right. And they would all be laughing and joking in a, in a good way, you know, as bros do. Um, and then I'd head off and practice from 1am to 7am. And I, I think I had a good story. I think they may, the music department, you know, 15 years later, it, they may have, you know, whisperings of, oh, that, remember that guy, Mitch, he would crazy do the yeah, crazy thing. But for me, it was a great story. Like if I was going to be the next famous thing in the top 40 with music, they'd be like, oh, I'd get to share this story on David Letterman or Jimmy Kimmel. And I'd get to say, yeah, 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 I used to do this. And it, it all fit the story. Um, but in some ways, I think I was honing a story for fame and not for the love of of what it is you know right. for for just music and so it's it's definitely funny for me i think there was a a wrestling with fame that really had to come full circle and and come under subjugation of god to be realized like yeah god it's it's actually all about you mm. and not about me but anyways <laughs> yeah interesting that's funny okay so you grew up here when did you get married and how long yeah. have you been married for 
Yeah, so the date, I'm trying to think of, of the date. So I know we're coming up on nine years, so okay. that's exciting. So I can tell you that, and that's July 25th. <laughs> okay. Um, I, for, in my brain, I want to say we got married 2014. Yep, yeah, July 25th. Yep, yep. Um, do you know that date? Is that? Well, I'm just doing the math. Doing the math, okay, yeah, good. Just doing the math. So if you're coming up on nine <laughs> years, and it's, we're in 22, we're heading into 23, so the 20, the 14 would be your year. Good, okay, hey, cool. that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Awesome, good. good I don't know how many things I know math. Yeah. I crunch numbers for a living. You do. You do. And you're, you're really good at it from what I hear. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I, I'd like to think I'm good. It's like, you know, but you know, whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And you got married a little later. I mean, you, you I took did. a while where. Yeah. What was that about? Just you being yeah. your own guy, like didn't want to get married, was looking for the right lady. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the funny thing. And I think at least the men that I've talked to in that season of our lives, we want to have the mansion. Um, for them to be able to be in awe of us. And so I don't know if everybody else can speak to that portion, but um, I won't assume that my brothers want, want to be famous and rich too. But for me, I wanted my wife essentially, and listen, I'm a believer at this time. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I still wanted my wife to kiss my, the feet, the ground I walk on, right? To, Mitch to, is amazing. To worship me oh. and I have it all together. And look at this mansion that, you know, uh, I'm in and, huh. and we're, you know, he's touring the world and all these things. And I find it, it's so funny that that was a thing in my heart that I couldn't have maybe fleshed out then, but that was the core of it. And then I find it funny that first year of me for marriage, um, while it was incredible, and I will speak to how beautiful and amazing my wife is, and every day she continues to be more amazing. And I don't want to just cast that aside, but for me, the growth I had to learn was, oh, wow, I was, I before marriage, I'm still learning to be um, in submission to God, right? I'm still learning to be his follower and all that. And it doesn't change in marriage, if my wife worshiped me as a God, we all know that's not healthy, okay. right? And it, it's so funny that I would have thought that that should have been a thing. And so, um, it, you know, that was that fleshing out of, oh, dude, how ugly is it that I would have wanted to be worshiped, right? No. And so that that was a beautiful thing that obviously that first year or two of marriage really rooted out of me was like, no, she's a human being just like you, and you Ooh. guys are pursuing God together and, and all the beauty that that entails. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, marriage is very humbling. Isn't it? Yeah, especially if you actually read Scripture and, and how Christ told us, you know, he, he loves the body of Christ and he gave himself up for the body. You as a husband get to do the same thing for your wife yeah. and serve her. Well, I don't really want to. Well, no, you get to. You have to. I don't want to. No, this is how this works. Yeah. So that's a good lesson. And then you have kids and if you haven't given up all your humility by then or your your self having kids is now completely selfless. Yeah. Buddy, can I ask you a question on do, can you remember an anecdote a story of you and your wife where you you remember learning humility or, or a moment? <laughs> <laughs> well, which story do you want to hear? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I'm a I grew up Kind of later, like middle school, high school, starting to go to church, but I didn't become a believer until I'm 28. So I'll just give you a real quick gotcha. version. And so not being a believer, when I'm 23, I got married at 23. I was broke, coming out of college and uh, got a $12 an hour job, you know, working at Les Schwab. I'm a tire guy. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> so humility came later. Um, the real answer was when my wife and I, after four years of trying to have kids, we can't. Oh, wow. That was really humbling. And just finally going, you know what? 
guess we can't have kids. And my buddies enjoy, uh, invited me to join a Bible study. And, you know, humility in that sanctification does grow over time. We are sanctified and set apart for God. Yeah. But progressive sanctification is that we actually grow in Christ over time. And and looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. you know, becoming a believer at 28 and realize we can't have kids. And then all of a sudden my wife gets pregnant. That's interesting. But it wasn't until 15 years later I'm having breakfast with my daughter, giving her a, a ring, a promise ring to be pure until she gets married and sharing her a story that she was my first miracle I ever saw. Wow. But it took me 15 years to realize that. And so God has humbled me a lot. Uh, you know, being married is hum- being, yeah, being married to a female from a different family, you know, that's humbling. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll give you one. Here's a good one. About five, six years ago, I'm not sure if my wife knows this or not, but she'll get to hear this one. It's kind of funny. We probably just got in a fight. And uh, I'm driving north on Commercial Street. I'm just right passing French Press, place I hang out a lot. <laughs> you and I met for coffee there. I'm praying, God, why is marriage so difficult? Why can't I just figure her out? Right? That's why I'm praying. I'm frustrated. Sorry, honey. I love you. And uh, and you know what God's response was? And it wasn't audible. So I was like, hey, buddy, you know. But he's like, as a guy, as a man married, if you ever figure out your wife, there's no need for God. Oh, dude. And so that's the, like, that to me rings and wow. rings and rings in my ears. I don't need to figure her out. Yeah. I can't. And nor can you, nor can yeah. any other guy. Don't try. Yeah, you should pursue your wife and love her as Christ loved the church. Yeah. He doesn't say love her and figure her out. <laughs> yeah. No, don't don't miss that part. But uh, you know, seeking the Lord, uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, food, water, shelter, and loving your wife as Christ loved the church, just doing the things that God asks you to do. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You're not gonna figure them out. And so the humility part is stop trying. As a guy, I want to know all yeah. answers. I want to figure things out. That's how I'm wired. Like I will die trying. I still yeah. do, just like you. Totally. So that's, there's more, but that's probably a good one for me. <clears throat> that's deep truth, man. I'll hold on to that. And you learned that six years ago, so you've just probably. given me a, you know, a nugget. I'm, I'm a little bit ahead now. So that tells you I'm 25 <laughs> years into marriage going, uh, why can't I figure this out, Lord? Uh, buddy, so good. you can't stop trying. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you don't need me. So God's taken me through lots of journeys like that, but, uh, yeah. Okay, so you guys get married. You guys have three boys right away. So tell me your, your boys' names, and do you have yeah. a name for your daughter? We do. I think I could – well, I I don't know if I can go live with Don't that. go live. Okay, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> don't go live. <laughs> don't go live. Your wife will kill you. There, there's still some family members that I, I do we do need to tell. But, uh, yeah, so my oldest is Makai. Uh, Makai Keith is his full name, Makai Keith Anderson. Uh, and then my second is Asher Pax, and then my third is uh, Jude Emmanuel. So – yeah. Your daughter's due when? She's due May 6th. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, May 6th. The reason why I'm thinking, actually, no, it's May 3rd. I'm really great with dates, as you can tell. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, So May 3rd, um, but our kids come early, so she's probably going to be an April baby. That's what I'm thinking, so. And how excited are you and your wife after having three boys to go, hey, we got a girl? Dude, we we are insanely elated. I God is the kindest 
God ever because the the way she wept when we found out that it was going to be a girl, um, I could see the pain that would she would have had to weather through. God would have taken her through that storm. He would have she would have survived because she is so strong. But the way she wept. Um, convulsing in a, in a beautiful way. You could definitely tell it were tears of joy. Um, it was the deepest longing I believe she had had, you know, and uh, it was so kind of God because mm. obviously we had a 50-50 shot. 50-50. Um, Last time <laughs> I checked. Last time I checked. And then obviously, uh, you know, according to Psalm, uh, you know, Psalm 139, like he knew what this little girl was going to be before the beginning of time, you know? And so uh, that's pretty exciting that it was part of his design and mm-hmm. we're, we're really looking forward to it. And I'm so pumped that God did that for my wife. So, Tell me your wife's name. Yeah. Audra Michelle Anderson. Audra, Audra Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a really neat lady. Dude, she you married she's up, bro. Incredible. Oh, I married way up. Yeah. Way up. She's she's better. She she could be richer than I am. We've just decided <laughs> um that I love uh her. she's she's great at home and God has definitely um shown me this, you know. And yeah. and she I think she was valedictorian, you know. I I was not. Um I mean I was a 3.9, but she she did like AP classes and and stuff like that and uh she obviously was a um She's just successful. She's incredible. I can't say enough about her. So that's so cool, dude. Well, yeah, yeah. Just keep loving your wife, man. Good, good. Pursuing Jesus, loving your wife. Yeah, yeah. Your, and your kids are watching, by the way, how you love your wife. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times, I would say, here's a here's a little pro tip. A lot of guys go, "Hey, my kids are my everything," and I, my question is, how does your wife feel about that? Mm-hmm. Because I think God should be everything. And your God and God says to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Yeah, He does say, raise up your children to know the Lord. You know, praying for them that they honor Him. But He does not say love the Lord or love your wife and your kids yeah. as Christ loved the church. So, just to keep it in priority is that because your kids one day will leave. Yeah. And I see this where the kids leave and the, and the husband's like looking at the wife, going, "I guess we should probably reengage and get to know each other." Yeah. Right. I've seen that. And I'm like, I will not do that. Yeah. That's heavy, man. Date your wife, love your wife, serve your wife. I, a few years ago, my pastor, just, I'll just give you a just quick yeah. thought. Not, it's not my story. It's your story. <laughs> no, no. But ask him the questions like, what do you do? And he goes, you know what? I just get up every day looking for a way to serve her. I'm like, cause I, I'm selfish. I'm just going to come out and just yeah. say it. I'm selfish. I, I'm all about buddy. Yeah. And every day I have to just get up and kill the flesh and just learn to love God, love my wife, and serve her in a way that honors him, not body. Yeah. Oh, here's a verse for you. First Peter 2.17, I think that's the verse, says, Fear the Lord, love your brotherhood, honor the king. And there's one more. Love the, fear the Lord. I don't know. I'll have to quote the verse. My point here is this. That was something I really focused on is honoring people. You know, honor people, honor the Lord, and love your brotherhood, right? Yeah. But you know what's greater than honor? You know that verse? You you study the book of... Pro- By yeah. the way, a little side note. Yeah. Mitch, in his book, wrote, I memorized the entire book of Proverbs. Mm. What is what, what, what precedes honor? Yeah, you know, you, I should know this. <laughs> I should know. I this know, answer. but you, you memorize yeah, it maybe. Fear, humility, a humility, humility precedes honor. Mike, yeah. I was praying one time. I was going to meet with an older guy. I've told the story before. His name's Jack. Hi, Jack. 
He's a good guy. I was going to meet this guy. He's probably upper 70s, lower 80s. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Like, Lord, what, what do you want me to learn? And really, the lesson was you need to learn humility. Honor is an outward facing, like, hey, I can honor you. It's outward. You think, yeah, I'm honoring you. But guess who knows the heart? Yeah. Well, God does. And so if there's no humility in the honor, it can also be fake. Yeah. And so I realized humility precedes honor because God knows the heart. Yeah. God knows all things. So so good. So powerful. Well, dude. So true. I, I'm encouraged because you're a young man, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, you're kind of in the the heat of it, having three boys, yeah. younger, baby on the way. So exciting. And you're in a season and you're you're working, uh, you're serving the Lord, you're yeah. serving men, you're writing books. Let's dive in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned things like, what do you say, philanthropic, mm-hmm. um, adventure. Let's just talk about some fun stuff, yeah. and then we're going to dive into your book and why your book is so important to you. So yeah. the way I introduce you, talk about those those little subjects. Yeah, exactly. Well, philanthropic is kind of taken from um, this idea. If you can give something away, it means you you have something to give. Uh, and so that that's massively important for me um, because obviously that means you've achieved something. It means uh, in many ways, I could almost say that the the best philanthropic person is a great father. You're, what are you, you're giving stuff, right? All you're doing is you're, you're generally giving stuff that's going to pass on beyond you. Um, you know, so I'm not necessarily saying being a billionaire and <laughs> throwing billions, which that can be great, but you know, that's not necessarily, it's giving something obviously of deeper value. So the truths of God, um, on that frame, that's kind of that philanthropic piece. Um, so that, that, that portion there, uh, adventurer for me was there was this, uh, kind of a, a thing inside of me that I always wanted to do the most, um, adrenaline seeking thing possible until, uh, I was wiped out by a slight minor concussion. I was playing football and I just, I hit my head on grass. Right. Uh, and then I experienced some vertigo and, um, you know, from that, I then realized I'm not unstoppable. Um, and so my adventuring has shifted probably more to things that, that really matter. Um, and so for me, it's definitely this piece here, trying to impart whatever wisdom or knowledge that I've learned and attained. Um, so the adventure seeking piece has shifted maybe to something more reasonable. Um, and so that's kind of what this book uh, kind of highlights is that I'm trying to pass on something to maybe help another brother uh, in his wrestlings, in his struggles, in his shortcomings, um, w- what it is being a father, being a, a husband and those kind of things. So I don't know if that kind of touches on it. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so adventure, you like the adrenaline stuff. I, I know in my 20s I like to do that stuff and some stuff happened like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Okay. What was the craziest thing you did as an adventure adrenaline junkie? I probably don't maybe fit completely well into the adrenaline junkie piece. For me, I was an adventurer. Uh, I, I am a fan of snowboarding. Okay. So I did, you know, and and, and snowboarding, not not any mountains necessarily. That you know, Bachelor, uh, Hoodoo, uh, Meadows. So those those kind of places. Um, I found a lot of enjoyment out of that, uh, d- definitely. I'm trying to think of other um, adrenaline-seeking things. This idea of of definitely touring the world, that was something um, that was pretty big on my radar. And so doing doing things like that 
traveling all over the place. And then now, now finding I, I, in medical device sales, I get to do these sorts of things where I cover five states. And it's pretty exciting when you're talking to a chief of surgery, high-end C-suite you know, type people, and the risk is all on the line, right? My sales cycles are probably about six months, six to eight months. So you put a lot of effort into it and it all can crumble, uh, you know, with one, one no from a chief of surgery, a surgeon that's saying, you know, we're not going to move forward with your product. And you've put a lot of work, a lot of travel, a lot of investment. I cover Alaska as well. And, you know, down to California, all these places, right? So, you know, we understand this as businessmen, like you put it all on the line and so that for me, while it's it's frustrating when you get the no, I love it because there's going to be a yes. You know, a, a one no is just one step closer to the yes. And so it, it, my career has gotten to shift into kind of this piece of adventure seeking, um, looking different. <laughs> you know, it's definitely looking different, but uh, definitely still very fulfilling in that frame, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the in the sales world, um, it is, it is hard, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you yeah. might get no's. And when I coach a team at my branch and one thing I remind them of, oh, it's really hard. It's really difficult. I go, you know, what's cool about that? If it was easy, everyone can do it. Oh yeah. So and cool. that's the thing to remember. It's not easy and not everybody can do what we do. Yeah. That's what makes it so joyful. It's like, it's blood, sweat and tears. It's a grind, you know, for you to travel to Alaska, get up at, oh, dark 30. Yeah. You know, be away from your family. There's a sacrifice. You know, I don't know what your time looks like away. You know, are you maybe gives you time to, well, read another book, read your Bible more, you know, pray more, believe more, more faith. And because your wife's, she's going to have pretty soon four babies at home. Exactly. And so she really is the, uh, the superhero there. That's definitely a thing. I have recently shifted those times away to uh, essentially retreats with God, probably the last year. Um, my mom had actually encouraged me, "Hey, Mitch, when you're when you're away, you should view those as retreats, and they've become they become much more powerful that way. I think for sure. That's so cool. What I've noticed whenever I'm away, like when I go on little vacations with my wife, we love to go on, especially during COVID 2021. 20, we would just drive places. We didn't fly because, well, you can't, or for at least for a while yeah. you couldn't. Now you can, but we drive. I love being away, doing these little two week retreats." Because when I'm here home, I don't know about you, I have certain pressures and influences that doesn't let my mind maybe be fully about God. Yeah. Where I've got oh, I've got to work and I gotta make a call and I gotta do so I'm away. Those little mini retreats. I think that's really good. That was your mom that gave you that advice? Yeah, yeah. She's full of great advice. <laughs> you know. Hmm. Yeah, definitely so. What uh what's your favorite Bible verse? Do you have a favorite one or do you have like a top ten? Yeah, you know, um, there is obviously there's there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I think it's definitely evolved. Uh, my Psalm one nineteen thirty six to thirty seven says this: Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Um, and while that's you know it's shifted as to what the favorite verse is of the day, that that came at a time where I it, it was a fresh faith. It was a, oh, I didn't realize just why I would need him to turn my eyes away from worthless things and how what that really reveals in my heart is obviously that means I'm longing to look at stupid stuff, 
you know why why would i long to do that and then this this piece at the end of preserve my life according to your word that shows my incapability of doing anything good he it's up to god to preserve me mm-hmm. and it's up to god to keep me from longing to stare at worthless things at stupid stuff and that that's this i i'm so uh, puzzled by the depravity of my own heart, right? And it's like, God, even in my pursuit of you at, you know, 36, 37 years, I still have these deep desires to, that I have to, to tug of war against. And God has yeah. to inspire me and by his spirit, you know, he wins. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. But it's like any good that I do, I know the evil that that would be there if God did not do what he does. So, yeah. That's powerful. And I think part of your, your book here, Attributes of Manhood, is in one here you have a quote is it for men you're quoting Braveheart the movie with Mel Gibson yeah yeah Wallace what's his name yeah William Wallace William Wallace you know I, from a guy man I'm like I'm motivated by that like say yeah I want to be that guy well but really the message is here it's time for guys to rise up yeah in order to do that if you go to Proverbs eighteen one and two it says a man who isolate, isolates himself seeks his own desire he quarrels against all sound wisdom. And so the reason why I like to get together with men, specifically Christian men, I get together with lots of men, but it's to be encouraged in the word, to be sharpened. And uh, I think men, in order to rise up, we have to be accountable, we have to be in the word. And so as I read your book here, I'm going to read it. I'll probably get it done by the end of the week. Nice. End of the weekend. You you, You do understand that honors me deeply, buddy. (laughs) For those of you who can't see it, I already see he's got so many things underlined. And as an author, I don't know if there's anything more honoring. So <laughs> appreciate it. Hats off to you, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'm encouraged by it. I mean, you're a guy, like the rest of us, struggling through life. We still yeah. have this thing called the flesh that seeks its own desire. The only way to conquer that is, well, meeting with men, being accountable, reading our Bibles, memorizing scripture, and... uh Iron sharpens iron is one man sharpens another man. Yeah. I got to show up. Yeah. I got to show up. I, I know me. I know my flesh. I know every guy's flesh in America has got to show up. And so yeah. I'm excited to read this book and encourage other men to read this book and be accountable. So what? I'm in chapter one. What's the rest of this? How many chapters are there? I don't even, I don't There's even, five. Is there, sweet. Yeah. It's an easy, hey, for a guy like me, that's an easy read. You know, it's not 27 yeah. chapters. Yeah. Five chapters. What's the rest of the story? Yeah. What, what am I going to gain from this? Definitely. I, I've, I've fashioned a, a pitch and I say pitch because I'm a salesman by trade. Pitch uh, by Mitch. <laughs> yeah. Pitch by Mitch. Um, the, the whole thing, cause I don't want to, I don't want to give it away. Okay. Good. Um, All right. But there is definitely the whole reason the catalyst for this is Matthew chapter seven at the end, um, 24 through 27. And it really is, it's, it's the wise and foolish builder. And so what is the point? Why do we have to have um, conviction as men, why do we have to have a firm foundation, which is what it talks about uh, in Matthew uh, 7, is that there's going to be storms and there is no way to get around it. <clears throat> so if we're guaranteed storms, we better have a good foundation. And I, I've obviously said this um, you know, many times before, but if there are no storms, because I could say, God, why – why don't you just take away the storms? Why don't why don't you just lift them? And uh, then we would have no need for him because we know when we go on vacation, we're sipping whatever we're sipping. Uh, you know, we're enjoying our life. It's not painful. There's no struggle. 
I'm not thinking about where my truth lies. I'm mm-hmm. not thinking about the foundation that's gonna gonna weather this dark dark time. And so God really tests truth by the fact that there is storms. And so for me, the only way out is in, right, and through. And I think we're we're at this pivotal moment in society where, if you ask many people, it may seem that we don't know what what a man is. We don't know what defines a man. We don't know the words that actually make up a man. But the interesting thing is that the men that I do speak with, they all seem to know. I have yet, and and I, you know, I do these uh, interviews, we call it the word on the street or whatever. I do these interviews where I end up interview a bunch of men, random people who I uh, just met and I ask them, you know, what, what an attribute is. And they tell me, and it's not what culture seems to want us to think. I get I get stuff thrown around like um, attribute of manhood is respect, an attribute of manhood is uh, self accountability, an attribute is bravery and courage. But if I if I checked out the the latest press release, you're going to get confusion. You're going to get well, we don't know what it is, but it's not what it was, or you know nobody can give you a direct answer. But when I look in scripture. God is very, very firm and very true and very real. This is what a man is. And so this this is definitely the start when I you know, say catalyst. That is that piece for me. I, I pray this is a catalyst. I want to ignite men to be able to change the world. And once again, it goes back to how do they change the world? They change their homes. These are things we have access to right now as men. You don't have to wait to get famous. I can make the biggest impact in my home and with my kids, right, right now. And if you're not married, you know what? You can add tools through scripture to yourself to become the man that would qualify for that woman. Mm. And then you can start that journey. So at any given point, it's it's not unattainable because many times for me, and I hope I'm not, well, I might be ranting, but many times for me, what, what happens is, is when I read a famous uh, person that said something good, and I'm going to say C.S. Lewis because I'm, I'm a big advocate of him and I'm a, a student of his. Uh, and so when I read his stuff, it, it empowers me, it ignites me, but I don't think I can ever be him because he's incredible. And he's became something, right? So so he did that. But you know, the thing is, the enemy likes to do, he likes to immediately snatch away the good and say, oh, Mitch, you can never do that. You, know, you, you just heard a great speech by some, you know, uh, Stephen Furtick or, or you heard Jordan Peterson or you heard people that are speaking truth. Great for them, but the enemy wants to snatch that. And so he wants to make us think you can't do that too. But the, the beauty of it is Every man can do this. We can all be great husbands and great fathers when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and shape us and shift us and do the thing. And that's kind of this, that, that's what this aim is. You know, I, I want to ignite men. I don't want to silence them. I think culture has silenced men. And Cancel this is, culture, man. What? Cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do, you know? And so that's this, this thing for me. I, I want men to realize you have a voice right now. And I'm not trying to say, look at me. I'm trying to unlock what is deep inside of you, the wisdom that God has placed in you. And you can you can lead your homes in that manner. And you got something that I want to hear. Um, what this wild thing is, is from this book. So I, I ask people that have read it. I want them to dive in. So, so ask God, what is an attribute you have for me? And God might highlight love. And then you take that that highlight that the Holy Spirit had given you and you apply a verse to it from scripture that would back up why love is. And then either in your heart, uh, or on paper, if that's how you prefer it, or you can vlog it, you can blog it, you can post it, you can y- do a YouTube channel, write a book. Then all of a sudden, we got another chapter and another chapter. And and when men have come back to me and they've said, well, here's what my attribute is, I st- inside, I'm actually weeping 
I've actually kind of teared up by somebody else writing the next chapter of this book. So what I'm after is men, once you read this book, find your attribute and it's not, this book isn't stopped. I hope to get to, I don't know how we'll canonize it, but 300 attributes where then then men are are doing this thing. Look, you want to know what a man looks like, a man of God looks like when the world comes and asks, the church is going to say, well, we got three, I got 300 descriptives. I can get so precise on what a man of God is supposed to look like. And hopefully that, that was clear. That's kind of the the aim of, of kind of what this whole thing is about. We'll see if that's God's destiny with this book and kind of the, mm. the path and what it is. But that's my heart. That's deep, man. I, I can't wait to finish it. Yeah. We, you know, we're going to set an appointment so I can grab coffee with you again and just talk about oh, it. Oh, dude, rock on, man. So I'm ready for that. That'll be great. Well, I think we could probably do this for another hour and a half. Probably. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and yeah. uh, close up the this conversation, um, but we're going to continue these coffees and yeah. we'll have another one. Dude, I'm, I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful that Jason Leon introduced us. He's a good brother. He's awesome. Jason's and uh, I'm impacted. I really am. I love it. I want to be changed. God is working on me. He's working on you. He's working on Canada. He's working on Tim. He's just going to continue working on us, totally. but to challenge and change us, you yeah. know? Well, hey, how do people reach out to you if they want to get to know you better? They want to buy your book? Yeah, totally. I have, um, they, they can do Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook is Mitch.Anderson. That's with an E, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. So Mitch.Anderson.7. And then, or on uh, Instagram at, at Return of the Mitch. Um, okay, Those cool. two things. And you can buy the, uh, the book on Amazon. You just uh, type in Attributes of Manhood and... We are at the top. So. Dude, I love Amazon. You know, Dude. I order on Sunday, got it by Wednesday, and yeah, so cool. Got to love it. Oh, I it love was it easy. Too. Yeah. Well, we will do this. We will have you on the show again. Uh, we'll, you'll probably have another book or another chapter to the book. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have reason to, to, to meet. Well, I just want to do a quick shout out uh, to The Wreck, letting us do our little podcast here each week. Uh, we hope that Mitch's story will inspire you. Uh, I hope and pray that you'll share it with somebody and impact men, impact your sons, and uh, we'll change the world one family at a time. That's what we do here, and uh, just that's what we're praying for. So we're thankful for you that you listen each week. Would you please also subscribe, share, like, comment? We love it. I love it. Not that I need the, uh, you know, the accolades. God gets the glory. That's really what this is about. But it, it, it is, it's great to hear when people are being impacted. That's what I love most. So anyway, thank you, Mitch. Really appreciate you being on here today. Thank you, buddy. Can't, yeah. uh, can't thank you enough. It's been a great experience. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, all the notes will be in, in the show notes uh, of how to get a hold of Mitch. And uh, reach out if you have any questions. But we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.